when it's a group environment, it offers that, but in a, in a different way, because there's other participants who would also have been through life experiences and um, very often Jung calls it the collective unconscious, that the, the people who need to be together um, to work through things will be in the same group at the same time. And that's all just kind of really happens in a, in a really exciting way. Because a, a key part of working in groups is sharing. So it will be sharing with like-minded people, especially if, the, if everyone has been through um, addiction, then there's similarities and differences and people can relate to what other people are saying. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 73. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we believe it's really, really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. This week, we're sharing a voice note from a new member who's dived into her sobriety journey with great enthusiasm. After helping hundreds of people to quit drinking, I've noticed that those people who make their sobriety a priority for the first few months will succeed. Ditching the drink isn't something that we can do half-heartedly. I always say that we need to throw the book at it if we're going to make our sobriety stick. Us drinkers tend to be all or nothing people. We drank all the wine and now it's time to put our all into our recovery. Have a listen to Nancy who is doing just that. I am so happy to have found my support system here at Tribe Sober. One week ago I joined and dive straight into the seven step program. The tools are great. And just the first week, I had an intro session with Janet, signed up for yoga, read all of the wonderful emails, joined the Facebook group, listened to more Tribe Sober podcast, joined the Slack chat, attended the Saturday Zoom cafe, and signed up for the next workshop in February. I've also signed up for a hypnotherapy session and soon a coaching session too. Have read The Sober Diaries by Claire Pooley and will be reaching out for a sober buddy after the February workshop. 
This first year of sobriety will be a journey of self-discovery, and thankfully, the Tribe Sober membership is helping me do just that. As I celebrate my first week of the rest of my wonderfully healthy, sober life, I wish all of us sober sisters and brothers a journey of self-love as we support each other to our best sober lives and give back to the communities in which we live, work, and play. So if you want to join our seven-step program, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. This week's podcast guest is an art therapist. Just as I never realized how important yoga could be in recovery, I also had no idea that art therapy had a role to play. I interviewed Tribe Sober's yoga teacher Tamsin on episode 69 of the podcast, and today I'm chatting to art therapist Samantha Davis. Sammy has operated a private art therapy practice for the past 18 years. She's worked with people who struggle with stress, addiction, depression, and also people simply wanting to discover more meaning and purpose in their lives. I began our conversation by asking Sammy to introduce herself. Sure, lovely to be here. So I'm originally from Joburg and I have a background in graphic and web design and psychology. And then I did my art therapy training in the UK, 98 to 2000. Then came back to South Africa, spent most of the time in Joburg, have, have come to Cape Town about 10 years ago. I have a daughter of 19 and a dog and two cats. And um, I love being in nature by the sea and the mountains and fresh air and being barefoot outdoors. Well, we're certainly living in the right city for all that, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you, when you first heard about art therapy and decided it would be an interesting field to, to pursue, sounds like that must have been at least 20 years ago. Yeah, even more. I actually have memories of myself as a child um, doing volunteer work with, with children in underprivileged schools, taking a group of, of kids, say, from my class and going into communities with art materials and just sitting with children and letting them express themselves. I had no idea what I was doing or what it was or that there even would be a profession one day. I was a child or a teenager myself. And when it came to university and studying, I always had an interest in children and creativity and psychology. And it was only after a couple of years that I actually found out about art therapy that there was something potential to to explore and that it incorporated all the all my different interests and passions. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and uh, certainly in this country, I can imagine so many children, you know, in schools can really benefit from this sort of thing because you know maybe when they were little they didn't have stories read to them and they didn't have the opportunity. So if, if someone's listening to this, Sam, and they haven't got a clue what art therapy is, if they're thinking, what on earth are these two talking about? What would you say to them? So art therapy involves different art materials through which a client can express and explore their thoughts and feelings in the presence of a qualified, trained art therapist. So the art therapist would provide a safe, contained space with a various... Um, types of art materials like paint, clay, chalk, markers, objects to cut and paste. And the client is then able to use whatever they want in creating something out of nothing 
and it's a way of self-expression and communication without having to find the right words to express oneself. Yeah, I, I remember I, it was a talk that I attended or maybe one of your sessions, but you introduced it by saying that as adults, a lot of us uh, forget how to play and we need to rediscover that. And uh, I love that. I think it's so true. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. Yeah. Now, I didn't know until relatively recently that art therapy did have a role to play in, in addiction. So can you explain to us uh, what that role is and how it can help people? Sure. So art therapy, is it's a way of providing emotional and physical health. And it's an opportunity for, for growth. So it's growth through creativity. And it's a deeper connection to life. Very often, if there's an addiction, there's is lacking a, a connection on the inside is often that um, relying on something on the outside like an external locus of control to give a person um, to help a person um, just to 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 cope in life but with art therapy it's a way of going kind of inside seeing being able to reconnect with oneself finding out who one is and what one needs and so it's a safe emotional, place it's a safe emotional outlet and it helps a person to um, decrease the use of, of of alcohol or any substances because it's it's providing a different a different pathway so it can also help motivating a person to change or live a better life and it works a lot with shame as well shame will come up um, and lessening the shame which is so important yeah, there, there is a lot of shame about around the drinking thing, especially for women, I think. Some of us that were drinking for decades, we, we got so used to using it as a coping mechanism and using it to numb our, our feelings. And it strikes me that art therapy is a, a wonderful way to get back in touch with our feelings, isn't it? Totally. And, you know, often as a child or growing up, we were told not to not to cry or not to be angry. And it's like there was a taboo on feelings. And so art therapy is so much around helping a person get back in touch with their feelings and, and be able to actually name feelings. So because art therapy is all about self-expression and communication, many people have a real difficult time communicating their feelings or just what's on their minds. And we often don't have, have words to express ourselves and words can be limiting. There's a, a certain amount of, of words that we know and they can also be kind of controlled and manipulated. When someone expresses himself through creativity and through the art-making process, whatever's inside will come out. Whatever's on a person's mind will come out. So in that way, feelings and emotions are given um, a doorway because that art becomes like a bridge between the inside and the outside and it's in a non-intrusive and it can be verbal or non-verbal. And so it's a really helpful way to to access and express emotions. Yeah, I like that. So it's almost as if there's no filter, you know, it, it just, uh, we can connect. 
And um, yeah, I was thinking when you were talking then as little girls, I mean, I don't know about how you were brought up, but I was always brought up, you know, to be smiley and helpful. And and I think that disconnects us sometimes, you know, as as girls, it, we, because boys, you know, they can get angry and they can even fight if they need to. But it's very different when you're a little girl. Definitely. And there's a theme of being the good girl will often come up in yes. therapy, a good girl and um, needing that perfectionism to come out. And um, people actually sabotage. We all do. We, we, we sabotage our, our way of being in the world and our truth often by taking on these beliefs of having to be a good girl. And it kind of like unpacks all of these beliefs and society um experiences and how how things have affected us if you can picture like a, a an onion and we peel off the layers of the onion getting deeper and deeper into the core of the onion which is which is like almost like a diamond we bore we come into this world as a pure diamond and then society and family and parents and um all experiences and toxic relationships and it just clouds and covers this diamond and it's a chance to start to take off, peel off the layers and get back to who we really are. Yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. I like that. Uh, I think many of us, some we feel really fragile in early sobriety. You know, we've you've just talked about um, the onion. Well, I've got an analogy that I like too. It says uh, when we're in early sobriety, we feel like um, we've been wearing a cloak, you know, when we've been drinking and then suddenly we and we're warm and cozy and protected in this cloak and then when we get sober we take off this cloak so we feel raw and exposed and we you know it's it's not an easy time for anybody and art therapy strikes me as su such a gentle and playful way to to rediscover who we really are you're listening to a podcast from tribe sober Definitely. I like the idea of the cloak. For me, it's like a, a mask. We're often um, wearing a mask of who society wants us to be or who we think we should be or the face that we have to put on um, for others. And it's taking that mask off can be, um, we can feel, people can feel really fragile. And fragility is not necessarily a bad thing because I relate it to vulnerability. And when we're able to be brave and go deeper inside and be honest and 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 find our truth, then an amazing way to to grow and to heal. And the role of the art therapist is is like that of a container. And when I say container, I mean a verb con containing, continually holding, and supporting the process in a very different way from other professionals or other relationships because there's no expectation on for the the art therapist that the person needs to heal or change or be a certain way there's no pressure in that way but it's really just holding the space checking in seeing where they're at what what materials are they using what are they needing um and it's it's around feeling seen and heard and acknowledged which is really going back to basics it's it's what everybody needs being seen and heard and acknowledged we all need our stories and our feelings to be seen heard and acknowledged and when it's done with an art therapist in a safe space there's no judgment so there's no good or bad and 
And that helps that feeling of fragility to be able to turn it into vulnerability, which is like the Brene Brown version of courage. And she, she talks about the power of vulnerability, doesn't she? And I sense that a lot, you know, in our community. When we have workshops, we begin with shares, you know, and people talk about um, how unhappy alcohol's been making them really for years. And these are a bunch of complete strangers and people are always so open, you know, and the connection and the bond is, is so deep between these people because we've all been through, through the same struggle. So, yeah, vulnerability is powerful and it, it always makes me think of the contrast between, um, you know, some of those snooty cocktail parties uh, we might have had to go to years ago. I just remember everyone, you know, standing around and, and basically showing off about, you know, what they've done or what, what they've got or what they're wearing. And, and I think, you know, this is just the complete opposite. And there's such a relief, I suppose, is the word I'm searching for just to to let that mask go and, and to be to be real. Yeah, to stop trying so hard. Yeah. Well, why do we try so hard? It's, um, as you say, you know, it's the society, isn't it? We start off as a diamond and then, then we go to school and they, they normally knock your creativity out of you, don't they? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I actually stopped doing art in grade um, 8, which was oh, no, grade 10, because my teacher was obsessed with blue and had her specific pets in the class. And if you weren't one of her pets, I remember doing creative work out of trees. And okay, I remember doing Jerry the Giraffe out of branches of trees and fabric and building up, building it up in size and color and texture. And it was this real life-size kind of person, Jerry the Giraffe. And I think I got a D on it. And I was oh. so upset. It had so much passion and love and creativity in it, but it didn't kind of fit the mold of the teacher. And I learned very quickly how subjective art is. And I suppose that's one of the things that encouraged me to, to explore art therapy because it's more about a process of creativity and not about the product or outcome. Exactly, exactly. So I'm sure you get people that look at art therapy and they think, well, that wouldn't suit me because I'm not artistic. I can't draw this kind of thing. What would you say in case there's anyone listening that thinks that? that those are actually my favorite people to come to art therapy because there aren't expectations of a, pers a perfect product coming out. or Because people often think art in art therapy has to be realistic and perfect and aesthetically realistic. And Sometimes people who have done a fine art degree may, may struggle because they're so busy. They've, they've been kind of in tune to, to work with product and structure and development of the product in, in taking so much time to build it up. But actually, creativity comes out of nothing. And it's, it's um, making something out of nothing. It's accessing the sponta spontaneity where it doesn't really matter what comes out. It's not going to be an art piece that goes on the wall. And when one gets into that place of freedom um, and playfulness, then then that's real creativity. I had a, a man come to my three or five day course. He was clean from alcohol for two years. And he said, I'm not sure why I'm here. My wife sent me. I can't draw to save my life. But anyway, I'm here. In that first session, in 45 minutes, he then created a windmill out of recycled material using string and cardboard and glue. And it was a, a real big windmill that 
rotated on its axis and was solid and functional and absolutely amazing. So it's kind of an arts and crafts angle. It's not just about drawing realistic pictures. And everybody can be creative. Of course, of course. It's just a matter of reconnecting with it, isn't it? So, yeah, when we stop drinking, Sam, we have a lot of time on our hands because I always say that I was either planning the drinking, doing the drinking or recovering from the drinking. (laughs) And when you stop all that, there's suddenly time and you think, and a lot of our people in our community, they say, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm managing to, to stay sober, but I'm so bored, you know, I don't know what to do with myself or I've lost half my friends, you know, I, I don't want to go to these places anymore because they trigger me. You know, what can I do with my time? And I think, you know, the vision board is a great way to to see what what might what might trigger your natural highs again because that's what we're looking for. Yeah, let me talk about that. It's a, it's a great di- kind of directed process where where I'd help a person clarify what do they want out of life and be able to explore what's meaningful and useful in, in all different areas, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, recreational, cultural, and, and just ways of getting back in touch with oneself and seeing what do I need, what do I like, what do I enjoy. We often as adults just forget what our hobbies are, what our passions are. Then we use pictures from magazines or photos and art materials and objects and taking these goals and visions and finding concrete pictures of them which symbolize what people want to manifest in their life and then creating a vision board collage using all of these images. And so it, it kind of activates the law of attraction and the power of manifestation. And in order to get clear on something, we need to focus and find out what it is and and then use our senses especially the visual sense to put it out there and let the and then the power of manifestation can can happen yeah yeah I've I've experienced that I mean I've done a couple of vision boards in my time I did one with you which was great and the very first one I did was years ago uh via NLP you know neuro-linguistic programming I remember I think it was about January we went through this process I was a bit, um, you know, on the fence about the value of this and and I just shoved it in a drawer. And then uh, a few months later, I I took it out and I realized that these things were happening. So, you know, the power of manifestation, because when I first did it, I thought, oh, well, you know, what I really need is to, to look at this document every few weeks and, you know, tick off the goals and make sure that I'm making progress towards this and towards that. But I didn't do any of that. I just put it away and I thought I'd forgotten about it, but my subconscious must have been uh, processing and, and working away on it. So there's definitely some power there. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Because say you, you're doing online shopping and you see um, something that you really like, some maybe an item of clothes, a lovely shirt or something. Um, do you know what a shirt is? <laughs> it's a South African word, blouse. Maybe. A shirt? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know what a shirt is. <laughs> okay. Um, so you see what you like online and then you order it. You choose the color, the size, the fabric. And it will give you information about the product and then you need to pay for it to commit to ordering the product. And then it will tell you 
when you should receive it, which maybe it's three weeks, six to eight weeks, depending where it's coming from. You pay it and then you, you close the screen. You don't keep on emailing them every day, where's my shirt, where's my shirt? Uh, you know that in, in six to eight weeks it will arrive by post. So that's like the secret, the, the power of manifestation and, and how it works on the, on the unconscious and the subconscious. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because we do offer to our community life coaching, which is um, in a way, you know, the, the vision board is a bit of life coaching, isn't it? From a completely different angle, from a more creative angle. I know in your your practice, you offer group uh, workshops and one-to-one work as well. So talk to us about how those courses work and, and why some people would be better doing one-to-one. So I work with children, teenagers and adults, and some people will come on a one-to-one basis to work through particular things and to get particular support. And on an individual basis, it's almost, I see it like reparenting in a way, that the, that the client will get the personal one-on-one attention that is needed in order to um, redo whatever um, feels like it needs to be redone or um, whatever is needed for growth and healing and recovery and having that one-on-one attention um, and special time can be very useful for some people. Um, so there's pros and cons in both. When it's a group environment, it offers that, but in a, in a different way, because there's other participants who would also have been through life experiences. And um, very often, Jung calls it the collective unconscious, that the, the people who need to be together um, to work through things will be in the same group at the same time. And that's all just kind of really happens in a, in a really exciting way. Because a key, a key part of working in groups is sharing. So it will be sharing with like-minded people, especially if the, if everyone has been through um, addiction, then there's similarities and differences and people can relate to what other people are saying and hear their stories with different flavors and different um, angles on it and, and be able to support each other as well as lessen the shame and give and receive support so and it's it's inspiring also for other people to see a person's vulnerability and growth and even through the art materials to be inspired by potential of how to use different mediums together and how to be creative using um, different art materials and it's inspiring for other people to to see it on a, a physical and an emotional level I notice that when people in our, in our workshops they're t- they're sharing their stories, I notice people seem so relieved, you know, because they they don't feel alone anymore. Because addiction can be a lonely place, and you, you think that there's something terribly wrong with you. But once you you realise how many people go down this path, and that they're just kind of regular people with nothing wrong with them, it's it's a great relief. We've had um, at our Zoom cafe where you were a guest. 
we've had um, we had a neuroscientist uh, recently, and then we had a, another lady who was the author of a, a really nice book called The Happy Brain. And they they were both talking about you know dopamine and the happy brain chemicals because many of us um, you know we suffer from a real low in early sobriety. It's okay to start with because you feel like you're achieving something. And then you just feel a bit lost, you know, because you, you don't know what to do with yourself. And um, Loretta, as she's called, the author of The Happy Brain, she said to us that we must have a project, you know, because if we find a project that we can work towards, then it's going to trigger the happy brain chemicals. Because if we split this project down into small bits, then every time we achieve a bit, you know, we'll, we'll trigger our brain chemicals. And that can keep our, our mood positive, you know, for months. And we talked about how in my case, because I had a, a long depression really in the first year of sobriety, but then when I got through that depression and started feeling good again, it occurred to me when I was reflecting back that that was when I thought of the idea to start Tribe Sober. And then, you know, I had to cut that down into little bits. I had to learn how to do a website, how to do marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's great advice, you know, to have a project. And I just wanted to ask you about those happy brain chemicals. And I imagine that the art therapy could really play a role in triggering those as well. Definitely. I think um, there might be a bit of anxiety initially around where to start and what to do with a blank piece of paper. But in art therapy, that's really sensitively facilitated. And to to help a person get into the, the process of, of being creative and doing art. And when when they're able to do art, it definitely releases dopamine. And because it's something pleasurable, it's something that can help um, us feel happier. And it's a kind of a feel good activity. And because it also boosts self-esteem and there's a sense of accomplishment and a sense of being able to access creativity. And when a person finishes a, an art piece or a creative project, there's also a boost of dopamine, feeling that kind of sense of accomplishment. But I also find that it, it increases serotonin levels and the way, the way a person will see the world and their outlook on life, the way they experience the world. Um, and in... So it kind of um, stimulates new neural pathways and ways of thinking and and being creative in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's quite deep, really, isn't it? This um, creativity that we have. You can just you can think back to the cavemen. I mean, they were all drawing on the walls of the cave, weren't they? And then, of course, children. I mean, you've just got to watch a child completely absorbed in in doing a drawing or a painting or anything and you realize it's uh, it's such a fundamental need that we have yeah and it's linked to mindfulness a lot just in, in yeah in, in especially during COVID times finding ways of being creative is has such a, a good effect on one's mental health in general I've had a few people that are say writers or even artists and they say to me, you know, I can't imagine being creative if uh, if I'm not drinking alcohol. You know, I always have a, a few drinks before I sit down and, and start working. <laughs> so uh, I've managed to disprove this theory quite a few times because, you know, we've got artists and authors in our community that, that have managed to carry on creating. But what would you say to someone that's under this illusion that I need alcohol to create? My response would be to laugh. I find that quite amusing because it's actually quite the opposite. 
I find that um, any external need or stimulation will stifle creativity. It's, it's like having a one-dimensional approach. When a person's drinking or planning when to get that next fix of alcohol or whatever it is, it's, it's always living in the future. It's not being in the moment. And art therapy is all about being in the moment and being present. There's a famous uh, pediatrician and psychoanalyst called Donald Winnicott, and he said that anxious children can't play. And if we can extend that to our own inner child as adults, that when we're anxious and worrying about the next fix or the past or the future, then we're not being in the moment. We're not able to play. The idea of play is around freedom and being present and going with the flow and being able to access one's inner resources. And so this is what happens in the art therapy room. The aim of the art therapist is to help a person be able to get into that state of being able to play again. And as adults, as you mentioned before, we, we, we also stuck in a way on being responsible and being productive members of society and everything is revolves around productivity and how quickly things can be done and achieved and ticking off boxes. But it's so important to have this opportunity to pause and stop and to be able to be absorbed in the task that one's doing now. And um, so it's not just about learning how to play in, in the art therapy room, it's around how to play and be in the moment in life, how to problem solve or manage difficult situations, how to have fun, how to find one's voice, how to laugh again. And, and in that way, it's promoting creativity in, in all areas of life on, on so many different avenues and levels. What about um, relapse? You know, once once we get, uh, well, you know, some of us, uh, we manage to to do this thing and then we can keep ourselves going. But uh, other people struggle and after a few months they relapse and then the, so they're on and off the bus as we call it all the time. Any um, any insights on how art therapy could help us to strengthen our, our sobriety? Yeah, the art therapy is helpful for building resilience and of going deeper within and finding out what, what are the causes and what are the triggers which would make a person drink. And being able to recognize those, being able to know when when there's a trigger and finding different ways of coping and being able to self-regulate. So I think the drinking before was a way of self-regulating and managing one's emotions. But art therapy is a journey of going inward and connecting to the self and helping oneself become more empowered by finding ways of new ways of coping and self-regulating which come more from the inside yeah we always say that connection is the opposite of addiction and and when we say that i think we're meaning connecting with other people but of course this deep connection that you're making with your creativity must must play a role as well yeah it's so important to connect first with oneself um before even um, connecting with another person because if we don't know who we are on the inside it's difficult to and of share and express and communicate who we are to other people and form those relationships. Yeah, and I, I get the mindfulness thing as well, because often when we drink, we're, we're taking ourselves out of the moment, aren't we? Because we're, we're numbing our feelings because inside we actually don't want to be where we are. <laughs> so learning, you know, to be mindful and using creativity to do that is, is huge. And like most of us, you've had to, 
uh, moved to Zoom, haven't you, for for some of these workshops? So, so how is that working? I actually love it. I, I have a, a little theory around COVID and, and online in, the, in that people who are introverts love the online and people who are extroverts really struggle. So I've clearly become more of an introvert because I I love being online. I find it really easy. And, and it's it's so interesting to meet people from all different parts of the country and the world. It's easily accessible. Everyone can participate. And it also just shows how easily art therapy can be done with a diverse range of people and not needing fancy art materials, just being able to use whatever one has at home. One of my favorites is is coffee, just putting a little bit of, of coffee and hot water together and using that as a way of painting, just painting on paper with coffee. I love the smell of it even. I find that my groups have, have, um, have been translated onto Zoom quite easily. There's still, there's still the accessing of, of the creativity and the sharing um, and just in different ways of communicating. Yeah, I think that's been a bit of a surprise, hasn't it, to, to all of us that do workshops. I, I certainly couldn't imagine doing my own workshop uh, on Zoom because, um, you know, we we would always begin our workshops with shares, you know, and there'd be a few tears and people would be hugging each other. And I thought, well, how's that going to work on Zoom? But somehow it does, you know, and people are, are just as open. And we even, we have a hypnotherapist in our, our group and even she does hypnotherapy now via Zoom. And I said to her the other day, how on earth does that work? And she said, it works so well because people are much more relaxed because they're in their own home and, you know, it actually expedites the process. So, you know, I guess yeah. COVID has pushed us, isn't it, isn't it to, into doing something that, well, I personally never would have dreamed of doing it online. But I, I've got a workshop on Sunday and we've got people from the US, from Canada, from UK, from South Africa. I mean, it's, it's wonderful the way it's, it's made us a lot more international anyway. Okay, so anything else you'd like to add, Sam? That that's been so interesting, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get that session going for our community because uh, I see it as, I mean, it, it might evolve in your mind, but possibly a, a vision board session, like half a half a day with with people, you know, that have been through alcohol dependence issues. Oh, definitely. I think um, a vision board specifically for people. Um, with alcohol dependency or drug dependency, anything, because there's already a theme then where people can yes. um, be able to understand each other and talk the same language and have similar feelings, just different stories. So that could really be helpful in helping people to feel safer and um, explore more and feel more comfortable within the space. Yeah, and just as they do with us and they come to a workshop and then they continue with one-to-one -one coaching because they want more personal attention, that might work as well uh, with your workshop, I would have thought. They can produce a, a vision board there and then have some follow-up sessions to to refine it and review it. People often come to my longer courses actually because they're feeling stuck in their life and just want to delve deeper and find more connection within themselves and within their lives and want more meaning. So the thing that I'd like to add that you asked about is mm. people often relate or think about therapy with a stigma that people have to have been through trauma or, or that it's going to be so revealing and so painful. But actually, I always say to people that art therapy is really helpful 
for helping people become better at being themselves. There is, there's nothing specific that has to come out or be revealed or worked through, but rather um, people wanting to be better at being themselves and find find their truth and follow their truth. And it actually can be lots of fun as well. So if you could um, just summarize the courses that you offer, Sam, I know that you're putting together something for our community, which will be awesome, but just give us like an overview of what you offer and how people can contact you, of course. Sure. Uh, I facilitate various different workshops. A short one is a taster workshop, which is two and a half hours of, of just finding out about art therapy, exploring art therapy experientially as well. Then there's a Create, Connect, Reflect workshop, which is three hours and it was developed in the time of COVID, helping people to be access creativity, to be able to reflect on where they're at and what they've been through and to connect with like-minded people. Um, then there's the Mandala workshop, which is working with the Jungian version of Mandala's Sacred Circles. It's helpful for when a person is going through change in one's life or um, new beginnings. And then there's the longer courses, like the Art Therapy three-day seminar. And then in terms of contacting me, my website is arttherapy.co.za. And you can join the mailing list to find out about blogs and newsletters and course dates. Or you can email me on info at arttherapy.co.za. So there you heard me talking to Sammy. There were so many insights in that conversation, so I'm going to pull out just a few. Sammy explained that art therapy involves using art materials to help a client to communicate and express themselves under the guidance of a qualified therapist. And we discussed how, as adults, many of us have lost the ability to play. We tend to get caught up in productivity and ticking those boxes. We need to get back in touch with our creativity, and art therapy can help us to do that. Some people feel intimidated at the thought of art therapy, thinking that they need some artistic skills. This is not at all true, and in fact, Sam loves clients who come to her with no knowledge or aptitude for art. Art therapy is just a way of getting in touch with our creativity and playfulness. And art therapy can play an important role in our recovery. It can help us to reconnect with ourselves and better understand who we really are. It can help us to decrease our reliance on alcohol and build new and different pathways and coping mechanisms. As drinkers, many of us spend years numbing out our feelings. Art therapy will help us to get back in touch with those feelings and to express ourselves creatively. Sammy sees art as the bridge between what is inside and what is outside. It's simply a way of expressing ourselves. We discuss the fragility of early sobriety, where art therapy can play the role of holding a safe space where we can check in. We talked about the power of vulnerability and how art therapy allows us to express that vulnerability. Some talk to us about the vision board sessions. The idea behind those sessions is that it'll help us to reconnect with our passions using images, art materials, etc. I've done one of those sessions and I can thoroughly recommend it. A vision board allows us to express ourselves and then the power of manifestation will come into play. 
our subconscious will register our vision and help it to become a reality. And the vision board workshop is particularly useful for people in sobriety as it helps them to get back in touch with what they really love doing, perhaps what they used to do as a child. We have extra time on our hands when we stop drinking, so we need to find constructive ways to use that time. Sam is quite happy to run a group vision board session for people in recovery, so do get in touch with myself or Sam if you're interested. You can always contact me at janet at tribesober.com. Sam explained that addictions mean that we're always busy focusing on our next fix, which actually prevents us from being in the moment. Art therapy can help with mindfulness and mental health generally. Focusing on a creative project will give our minds a welcome break from stress and anxiety. Art therapy can also help us to build resilience and help us to recognize our triggers, all of which can help us to prevent relapse. We often say that connection is the opposite of addiction here at Tribe Sober, and we're usually referring to community. But Sam helped me to realize that we also need to connect with ourselves to get to know who we really are. Understanding ourselves better simply means that we can find new ways of coping instead of using alcohol. At Tribe Sober, we love learning about neuroscience. Our gurus have been neuroscientist Stacey Danfield and author of The Happy Brain, Loretta Broining. You can hear me talking to Stacey on episode 67 of the Tribe Sober podcast, and my conversation with Loretta is on episode 55. Sammy explained that art therapy will also trigger those happy brain chemicals and will give us a boost in early sobriety, and that's the time when we can be plagued with a low mood. Loretta Broining explained to us that we need a project in early sobriety to stay happy and focused. So that's why we've designed our seven-step program, to give you a project, the project of self-discovery. So sign up for art therapy, hypnotherapy, coaching, and root cause therapy. Just throw the book at it, like our new member, Nancy. Sam and I both run our workshops on Zoom these days, and we agreed that they work really well, and we enjoy opening them up to people from all over the world. Sam works with individuals and groups. Sometimes an individual will need personal attention for their growth, healing, or recovery. However, the group sessions can be quite special. Sam believes that groups come together for a reason. They bring their life experience, and of course a key part of the workshop is about sharing our stories. Young calls this the collective unconscious. The people who need to be together come together. I love this concept and it made me reflect on Tribe Sober, the synergy and the bonding that I've witnessed over the last six years. Not only at our workshops, but within the whole community who connect daily via Slack and weekly via the Zoom cafe. There's something so special about the thought of the people that need to be together are together. So for more information about Sam and her courses, just go to her website, which is Art Therapy Coza. That's ArtTherapyCo.za. 
Now it's time to open up my phone and go to the first member message that inspires me. This week, I chose a message with a Christmas theme from member Monica, who is seven months sober, and she's powering into her first sober Christmas. I haven't been a fan of Christmas in years. I've been called a Grinch because by mid-November, I'd be swearing at Christmas songs playing on the radio and giving death stares to anyone with a Christmas cheer. This year is different, though. I think because I'm sober, I'm not as stressed and anxious as I'd usually be. I even have a little cheer in me. It also helps that we won't be spending a boozy Christmas day with drunk family members. Last year, I made a wooden Christmas tree to keep myself busy and to avoid listening to the voice in my head telling me to drink. This year, my son and I are making decorations for it. It's a work in progress, similar to my sobriety. I managed a good few sober days last December, but also had a scary bender. None of that nonsense this year. Peace, calm and smiles, and a relief of putting so much behind me and getting on with better times. So well done, Monica. Your tribe is so proud of you. Now, Monica discovered Tribe Sober when she signed up for Sober Spring back in 2020. So if you would like to take a break from the booze, then please check out our annual fundraiser, which opened on the 1st of December and will stay open until the end of January. The way it works is that in exchange for a small donation to a good cause, we provide 30 days of online and community support for an alcohol-free month. So whether you just want a bit of extra support to get you through the party season, or whether you want to do a more traditional dry January just check it out. Go to tribesober.com and hit January Challenge 2022. Our challenges are such a great way to dip your toe in the waters of sobriety and take a break from the booze. And let's face it, everybody needs to take a break now and again. So that's it from me. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.